When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is a Manhattan-bound B-Express train. The next stop is Grand Street. Mind the gap. Welcome to Skyline. City Metric Podcast. I'm John. Listeners, I have lied to you. I, pr- I promised this week would be our Christmas special, and Stephanie was going to come back, and we were going to talk all sorts of nonsense. And I know there's, you know, there's a significant portion of you I suspect uh, prefer her to me, and think it's a bit rubbish when she's not here because you know she's she she is she is better than me. So there we are. But it's not that episode this week. We are still hoping to do that. Uh, we've had to reschedule for for various reasons, which I'm. Not going to go into uh, the word vomiting was involved. We're hoping to do that one that one next week. Although, given that we managed to put out the 50th episode special on this podcast on episode 51, it's quite possible our Christmas special will probably arrive in April. Anyway, here's the episode I was going to do next week. When I was going to sort of, I think I coast into Christmas by kind of doing it. Here's one I made earlier thing. I don't know if you if you're a long time listener, you might remember that that early on for the first first year or so of this podcast. We we had an external producer. We had a guy called Royfield Brown, who who as a professional podcast maker and kind of help us put it together every week and sort of make it all sound shiny and use music. And if you ever wondered why uh, around this time last year suddenly the production quality went off a cliff, that's because I started doing it in house for various reasons. So so the the reason it often doesn't sound very good is because I'm 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 doing it and I'm you know I'm not a professional, uh, but. Um, Royfield and I are still are still in touch. I still I still appear on his uh, US UK politics podcast, Mid Atlantic, once in a while. Uh, I also appeared on one of his other podcasts a few weeks ago. He does a thing called Friday Fifteen, in which he just kind of interviews someone for fifteen twenty minutes about about a subject they're interested in. It's first some lovely music, and he asked me to to go on that. Um, we talked about where my my love of maps comes from, which I've somehow managed to, to change into a career. So that's that's a sort of city metric topic, and Royfield very, very kindly agreed that I could put it out on, on this feed as well. All he asked for in exchange was that uh, I tell people to check out his other podcasts and go and subscribe. Go subscribe to Friday 15 if you like music. Go subscribe to uh, Mid-Atlantic if you want to talk about politics. He has a great one called 10 American Presidents, How Jamaica Conquered the World. There's another. He's, he's got quite a lot of these things going. So go, go, go check him out. He's been a good, he's been good to me. You should go, you should go help me repay the favor. So, so for once, 
if someone's going to interview me. From here on to the end of the tape, it's just it's just Friday 15 with all the bells and whistles and so on. So I'll hand over to Royfield. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. In an uncertain world, there is always music which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday 15, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 50 minutes to both. Today we speak to new statesman, writer and editor of City Metric, John Ellidge, about the appeal of maps. Idiosyncratic and out of syncopation, all my friends by New York Dance Meister's LCD sound system features a beautiful and iconic intro. It was the second single from their second studio album, Sound of Silver, in 2007. What is it about the 2D representation of the world which uh, so excites many of us? Okay, so I've given this a lot of thought. I think Good. one reason is it's about sort of placing yourself in relation to the world. It's about you can, you know, if you look at a map of your city or your country or something, you can say, this is where I am. So it feels kind of personal mm-hmm. in a way, you know, a representation of, uh, of something else doesn't always but also I think it's just like a, a density of information. You can see so much about a place and its history and the geography and so on in one in one flat image. And I think that's kind of an amazing feat of kind of you know, engineering and design that you can get that much in just into one single picture. So so yeah, people love them. I mean my entire my entire website, uh City Metric is we found out very early on that, you know, maps is kind of our version of clickbait. This <laughs> always get the punters in especially when like i mean particularly like metro maps like the tube map is obviously the big one but you know other cities have have their own mm. equivalents but i think I, I think there's kind of a related point around the metro the, the tube map specifically which is it's kind of like if you live in a city like london like there are 
there's like nine million people in London. There are nine million different Londons because everyone has a slightly different experience of the mm-hmm. city and what different places represent and what 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 different places mean and so on. But the one common reference point, the one thing that will be of relevance to pretty much everyone is the map of the transport system because everyone will kind of know where they are on it. Everyone will use that system at some point unless they're being a bloke Zach Goldsmith when it's running for mayor and it turns out he never even got the tube. The vast majority of people in this city will, will deal with the tube map in a way that any other reference point in London may not be relevant to the majority of people there. So I think there's just a sort of it's a density of information and it's a universality to it that means people really like maps, you know? But it's kind of interesting you talk about um, the density of information because on the one hand you have um, the world map and in theory everything's on there. Every city, every village, every stream, every river and then you have political boundaries. And then on the other hand you have metro maps which are uh, an exercise absolutely in reduction aren't they and really whether it's a world map or whether it is a metro map all maps lie in that they leave things out so yeah, how um, i was going to say I, I was actually going to sort of reference this at some point i don't know if you saw maybe you saw this as well but i remember in the 90s early 90s uh, there was some kind of documentary series on like bbc2 or something you know, one of those things we my granddad would call mm-hmm. it when I was a kid, which is all about maps but the first episode of that was called a tissue of lies because you know any map is a simplification obviously i mean like again the tube map is kind of the most obvious example because you know it's quite well known how it distorts geography and kind of expands the center and shrinks the suburbs and the sort of straight lines and so on everyone knows that that's simplified but the same is true as every map, you know, like if you kind of look at a, a road map, all the roads are kind of much bigger than they are in reality, because otherwise you wouldn't be able to see them. Mm-hmm. A political map of, of the world, and it shows all the countries and sort of different colours and boundaries and so on. Well, like a lot of those boundaries are pretty notional. You won't necessarily know you're crossing one. It's not like you, there's literally a line on the floor that says you are now leaving. They reflect a particular conception of reality rather than reality as it stands. What was the map that turned you onto cartography as a little John Elledge? Can you remember? I mean, the first one would have been the tube map, which we kind of really talked about. Like, I can't work out whether I was interested in maps or, or, or London first. Like, I grew up in the suburbs. I grew up in Hornchurch, which is one of the Essex suburbs, about 15 miles out of London. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's just about on the tube, and it has the Metropolitan Police and so on. But it's not really like London in many other ways. It's kind of quite, it's pretty white. It thinks of itself as Essex. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, being able to locate myself on the tube map or in the, you know, my big, well-thumbed Greater London Street Atlas was kind of a way of tying myself to this sort of bigger, much more interesting place. I didn't like Essex very much. I never really sort of fitted in with, you know, white trainers and, you know, chinos and, and you know, press Ben Sherman and leave it, Barry, he's not worth it, that kind of thing. <laughs> That's not really, and, and, you know, the bit of suburbia I grew up in, when people talk about the Essex the idea of Essex, that's what they mean, the place I grew up. You know, I mm. could I could say as many times as I like, well, technically it's not in Essex anymore, it's in Greater London. And that's true, but it's also nonsense. The, I, th- I think the interest in all the time I spent staring at the London Street Atlas and kind of tracing, tra- tracing like how you would get between the centre of town and my house, it came out of that desire for escape, I suppose. You talk about the London Street Atlas, and I don't know if that was the A to Z, or it was kind of Bartholomew's, but... So, so where, where do you sit now with Google Maps? Because 
it's pure nostalgia for me. When I first moved down to London, I needed to get an A to Z. Everybody needed to have an A to Z. Whether you were a Londoner, new, old or transplanted, everybody had an A to Z. You don't have that anymore. And there there is something about the visceral sense of turning a page when the the road that you're travelling on runs off the page and you've got to turn over and then sometimes it's not even the next page. You've got to go forward to page 85 and you're on page 23 or something or another. And I kind of miss that. I love to watch the blue dot move on my phone. I absolutely do. I still have a magic, a sense of wonder that that happens, but I miss a paper map. I mean, I think it's in terms of not getting lost. It, it's I'm, I'm not like anti Google Maps at all. I think actually it's an incredible piece of technology that's incredibly useful. I remember when my, a friend of mine, a guy called Mick, when he first moved to London and went for a drink with a guy, and I happened to have one of my battered old street maps, and I, uh, you know, a little pocket A to Z, and obviously he didn't know the area very well, so I just, I kind of gave it to him. It's like a welcome present. It was just mm. like, you're a Londoner now, mate. You get, you're going to need one of these sort of things, but you wouldn't do that these days. One of the many sort of old street maps I've collected from somewhere or another down the years uh, is a very old map of. of London from dating to like the 50s or something like you know Docklands is still you've got actual working docks in it that's how old it is but there's some the reason I particularly like this one is because the last street heading east out of London at the very edge of the map is my mum's street and there's just something quite nice about the idea of being the last street in London you know is um, and it's, it's an entirely notional thing because actually it's literally not the last street like suburbia continues for another couple of miles it's just purely coincidence it happens to be the last one on this map and you don't really get an equivalent of that with like google maps one of the things which i absolutely love about maps is that they are a snapshot of time that whether it is um, a representation of a political map from the middle ages which is a modern map so you can see the holy roman empire or um, the constituent parts of Spain before it was Spain, so Aragon and Castile or Leon or Granada, etc. And then you have the street maps of London and let's say it might be like 1810. So there's no, there's no Regent Street on it yet. And just to see, um, you know, how the city has actually progressed, how it's actually developed, which is a very neat way of me saying you've decided to have Time by Pink Floyd as your piece of music. John Elledge. I took you to task first off because I said here we go here's a bit of obvious uh, white boy music Uh, no offence intended because we mates here joshing Uh, but this was an absolutely beautiful and evocative piece of music Um, tell us all about Time by Pink Floyd I mean the first thing says I am you weren't telling me anything I didn't know I am the whitest guy in the world like you're lucky (laughs) I really love this track partly because, you know, it's on Dark Side of the Moon, which is their, their, their biggest album from 1973. And I first heard it when I was like maybe 16, 17. And I just like the sound of it. It's got this sort of long build up and it's just quite haunting the way it's, and it's just a lovely, lovely piece of sound design. And it's only, you know, nearly 20 years on now as I've got older that a lot of the stuff in the lyrics actually sort of haunts me a little bit about how like, Oh, there's a line in here, it's, you know, and you are young and life is long and there is time to kill today. I do kind of think back on, on my youth and like all the time I spent literally doing nothing. You know, what did I think I was doing with my time? Like, 
and I just kind of look back on myself. You could have been writing books. You could have been out there seeing the world. <laughs> and you were literally just pissing about until the middle of the night and then going to bed. It's a lovely piece of music, but also it does kind of haunt me, just like this sort of idea of like, you know, time accelerates as you get older. And I'm feeling that a lot at the moment as I'm kind of like, I'm staring down the barrel of 40 at this point. So, you know, my own death haunts me now. <laughs>
music isn't as central to your life as it possibly is to me. But other than Pink Floyd, what else are you into, Mr. John? I mean, my tastes have kind of gone back in time. Like when I was a, so when I was a kid, I was always into like I was an indie kid, not in like any significant culture. But that was the music I was into: your pulp and your blurs, and I really and Radiohead and Oasis and all that kind of stuff. And I tried to keep up with, with everything until probably about 2007, except it was Radio 4 from here on in. And, you know, <laughs> I put a lot of music on when I'm when I'm working. I mean, for the most part, something insane like 70% of it will be something about like the Beatles or Bowie. I'm not really one to sort of like check out the latest thing anymore. I've kind of accepted that part of my life is over. Music does help to put certain locations on the map though doesn't it so um, here I am in San Francisco and if you were to say to the average American name a UK city other than London Liverpool is going to be very oh. high on that list all because of the Beatles or if you say to somebody um, jazz where does it come from um, invariably they'll end up saying kind of New Orleans so in terms of uh, kind of geography you know you can actually map out music can't you you can. In fact, I think actually um, one of the things I think about a lot when I'm writing about cities is your 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 own hometown of Birmingham is, despite being you know one of one of Britain's biggest cities, I, I think it sort of lacks that sort of international reputation of like a Liverpool or a Manchester. There are two reasons for that. One of which is there aren't really musical movements associated with Birmingham in the same way I mean like whenever I've said this before people always point out heavy, heavy metal. metal yeah yeah but it's not sort of intimately associated with place in the way in the way like the Beatles or the Merseyside is associated with Liverpool or like there was a movement called Manchester you know like mm. the, the name of the, the, the city itself is kind of much more closely tied to the music than heavy metal is to Birmingham because it was just like that's the place it came from but it wasn't about Birmingham mm. and yet the other reason I think it's not so well known is, is you know Birmingham FC isn't that great <laughs> well, you music know what? and football just things people know about British cities. No, 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 absolutely, and and I think there is actually a third reason as well, is that we're not known in terms of the industrial revolution necessarily for one industry. So we can't say steel like Sheffield or cotton like like Manchester. We did we did too many things here. So imprinted in, in the kind of the psychic memory of the UK that there isn't a Birmingham in that kind of regard and it's kind of big almost by accident but kind of the history of Birmingham is something which is incredibly fascinating in terms of mapping and urban planning because obviously the city centre has changed an awful lot uh, Birmingham has been one of these cities where uh, at one point it had this traditional but they say Victorian street pattern but then uh, the council came and, and ripped that all up in, in the 60s. Um, could you explain to us, because w what you do at City Metric is obviously run a site which is about mapping, but it's also about the policies of, uh, the ramification of the policies actually of um, spacing out utility. So where exactly does, does mapping start, uh, data um, start, and then actually um, real life actually then begin in terms of mashing that all together, John? I mean, I guess maps are—they're not just sort of a fun thing for geeks to to point at and and dream of faraway places. They are—they're a practical tool. Like it comes back to density of information. If you kind of want a a representation of of what a city like Birmingham looks like, that will help you kind of 
redesign it, then you kind of you need a good map. You're not going to get far in city planning without a map, are you? So. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. True that. Now, just before we go, here's some throwaway, throwaway uh, questions for you. What's your favorite world projection, sir? Are you a Mercator man? Are you Peters? What are you? Oh, God, you know, the terrible thing is I can never remember which one's which. I, well, you're you're a bit of a lefty, so I'm guessing you want to turn uh, turn the world upside down. Why is north or is it the top? Let's have you know. No, I do love I do love those slightly weird maps where yeah, you turn it upside down. It does kind of give you a different perspective. Um, I think it's the Peters projections, the one that that kind of does it by equal area rather than sort of equal distance. But it's like you do get that weird thing with it's really not helping i can't remember which projection is which is it but the, <laughs> the, the traditional projection um, mercator is a the traditional for, one yes yeah, so a greenland and russia and canada are just yeah, so, it, so it makes so it makes greenland look like almost as big as the continent of africa mm-hmm. and it's like it's like you know two percent the size or something crazy it just distorts distances so distorts areas so much around the poles that Europe looks relatively a lot bigger and more important than it actually is. And you kind of, you just miss the fact that Africa is big enough to contain the US and China and India all at the same time. It's not so much about having a, a, a favourite map, but I think like challenge, you know, maps that challenge your perspective, things that kind of shift the way you see things. All right. And um, geographical oddities. Uh, you can have a physical one, you can have a, a political one. Go. Okay, so I, I don't know if this counts as physical or political, but one of my favourites is um, there's a place called the Northwest Angle in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. It's basically a tiny bit of land surrounded, which has got a lake on one side and Canada on the rest. If you just kind of look at it physically, you'd be surprised it's in the US at all. The reason it is is because when they were first settling where the boundary would be between the early United States and British North America, which later became Canada, the way they did that is they kind of decided to draw a straight line west out of a point until it hit the Mississippi, and that was your boundary. And the problem was 
He never hit the Mississippi. The Mississippi had stopped by then. So they had to rethink this. But you ended up with this ridiculous bit of, of the United States stuck in Canada. I'm trying to think of other other strange oddities. I, 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 brief, I used to write a series called Boundary Issues about these weird... Uh, these, these weird oddities. In Scotland, there's a county called Rosshire and a county called Cromartyshire. Mm-hmm. And one of them is just a collection of isolated packages of land inside the other. So it looks like, again, I'm not helping by not, having, not being able to remember which is which, but I think, I think it's Rosshire and then Cromartyshire is a, a bunch of like tiny bits of land, like somebody's dropped a plate. Some, some earl or, or fane or whatever aristocratic rank he held just bothered the, the Scottish crown in the 17th century saying he wanted his own county so they let him call all his bits of land a separate county that just happens to be completely surrounded by this other county you know you just end up with stuff like that it's completely crazy I love it and the very last question sir you're on your deathbed your loved ones are around you seeing you off what is the last map you'll gaze at <laughs> See, I think this is a slight category error because as much as I like a map, you know, I love a map. Maps are a big part of my life. But, you know, if I'm lying on my deathbed, that's really not going to be my priority. (laughs) Yeah, you're not the map geek I thought you were then. (laughs) You are not the map geek I thought you were, John Edge. Thank you for coming on to Friday 15 and to dispel me of the notion that you're obsessed with maps. You're just like everybody else, really. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, so it's a living. Out in the street, they call it murder. Welcome to Jam Rock. Camp where the dogs and camp at. Two pound a weed in a van back. It in a your handbag. Your knob sack it in a your backpack. The smell of like your girlfriend contact. Some boy not know this. Them only come around like tourists on the beach with a few clubs. So this bedtime stories. And pros like them named Chuck Norris And don't know the real hard Porker sandals and no back to The thugs them with the way them got to And won't think twice to shot you Don't make them spot you Unless you carry guns a lot too I be a tough thing come at you When trench town man stop laugh and block off traffic Then them we learn pop off and them start clap it With the pin file long and it a beat rapid Police come in a jeep and them can't stop it some say them a playboy, a playboy rabbit Funny man a get dropped like a bad habit Some a bad a post of if you don't have it Rastafari stands alone I come to jam rock Hey I come to jam rock Out in the street, they call it murder ah. I come to jam down Poor people are dead at random Violence can't done, pure ghost and phantom. The youth them get blind by stardom. Now the king of kings are called old man to pick me. So why for no one if you with me? To see the sufferation sick me. Them suit not fit me. To win election, them trick with them. Them down to nothing at all. Come on, let's face it. I get our education's basic. And most of the youth them waste it. And when them waste it, that's when them take the guns replace. Sit them down, don't stand a chance at all And that's why enough little youth have up some fatmatic With the extra magazine in a them back pocket And a bleach at night time in a 
some black jacket. All who not lock blocks and them all lock rocket. Them we pull you up a current like a shock socket. Them we run a road block which for the cops block it. And from now till I'm on in a stop clock it. If them run out around a broke back rocket. Welcome to Jam Rock by Grammy Award-winning reggae artist Damon Junigong Marley brought the one drop back to reggae in 2005. Quite simply, it is the most influential piece of reggae music produced in the 21st century. Like music by Marvin Gaye was recorded by Gaye in the singer's recording studio in 1978 from sessions recorded from the recording of Gaye's other albums. The whole song is a slow, sexy masterpiece, but the first 40 seconds are a dreamlike wonder. Don't forget, you can follow the show's progress on Facebook by simply typing in Friday 15. You can also find us on Twitter, where you can follow me, where I'm at Royfield, spelled R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D. Now, every Thursday, you can jump onto Twitter and tweet me and nominate a song for me to put into this week's Friday 15 iTunes reviews, folks, are extremely important. They're the lifeblood of any podcast. Please go onto iTunes and write us a, a glowing review. And don't forget, finally, you can email me. We're on Royfield, R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D, at gmail.com. See you all again in seven days' time for more good music. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.